Welcome to Coping with Ghosting, the show that provides hope, healing, and understanding for anyone who has been ghosted. I'm Greta, and today I'm exploring how to build confidence, trust, and how to open your heart again after being ghosted. My guest is Carrie Leaf, a practicing psychotherapist, life coach, and hypnotherapist based in West Des Moines, Iowa. She's also the author of the book, Therapize Yourself, Choose to Heal and Find Your Truth. Carrie, thank you for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Can you please tell listeners a little bit about yourself and your practice? Yes. Uh, My undergrad is in psychology. My master's is in marriage and family therapy. And from there, I did my internships out in New York City and Brooklyn and Manhattan and, you know, um, different boroughs and then came back to the Midwest after that. And I've practiced a whole bunch of different places. I've worked in community mental health. I've worked in residential care. I have worked in hospitals, um, universities, substance abuse. And I'm in private practice now. I've worked on the military base. It's just kind of all over the place with all kinds of different clients and it's been an amazing journey to land me to where I'm at now. And so now, like I said, I'm doing private practice, focusing on my 16 years and older and mindset coaching as well. And so it's been a wide, you know, broad journey getting me here, but that is how I've landed here. That's wonderful. And I'm aware that you have a holistic, integrated approach to healing that incorporates the mind and body spirit. So that's wonderful as well. Yes, that's huge. And that's central, you know, through all the years and all the places that I've worked. That's one thing that I saw, you know, the pieces of the puzzle is that we've just got to integrate them. We've got to look at mind, body, spirit, take that holistic approach in order to get the best results. So I stand very firm in that one. I agree completely. So Carrie, A long time ago, when I was ghosted, my self-esteem plummeted. I didn't like who I was, and I was highly critical of myself. I know that there are a lot of people listening who identify with my former self, and I wonder, what tips do you have for people who want to boost their confidence after being ghosted? That's a good question, and it's kind of broad because everyone is going to come in at a different place in their life, right? And different background experiences. But if we want to boost our self-esteem, I would still walk through some of the basic approaches that I would walk through with everyone of assessing your life and where it's at and looking at the the mind, body, spirit, and how are you taking care of your body? Like, I, I look at those things, no matter what you're coming in for, so that I can help clients get a a well-rounded, just solid foundation and wellness in general. And then I'm going to deep dive into the the deeper issues of the negative beliefs behind the incident. So the incident of being ghosted, we would, you know, of course, like I said, after assessing your life and your background, you know, because I'm, I'm, those are going to be important to me to keep in mind. But if we're looking at just the incident, then we would want to see what ways did that incident affect you in your belief system about yourself? You know, when you were ghosted, what did it make you think about yourself? Things like, I'm not good enough. I'm lovable. Something's wrong with me. I'm too much, you know, whatever it may be, we're going to want to get down to the core of how that shook you inside. And most likely 
we can also you trace that that same negative belief back even further than the incident. You know, let's say you're 20 something when you got ghosted, we're likely going to see that that negative belief surrounding that incident probably went back to childhood as well. Not always, but most times. Yeah, I hear you. For the listeners who want to take actionable steps right now to boost their confidence, what would you suggest for them if they don't have access to therapy? Are there things that they can do? Yeah, I do a step-by-step in my book that therapize yourself that you just mentioned. I walk through step-by-step of things that they can work on of identifying what areas in their life aren't going the best and what areas can we take control over. And so we can start feeling better when we start taking action and we start taking control. You know, it might seem unrelated to self-esteem, but the more that we get out there and do whatever that may be, like cleaning up my home environment or my financial environment or my friendship, my relationship environment, my work environment, when we start taking action in certain areas of our life, the ones that are controllable, we feel more in control. It could be working out. It could be eating better. It could be tapping into your faith or your spirituality. And that's why I say it's really broad because it's going to be a different thing for each person because healing and growth isn't a one size fits all treatment plan, right? So people are coming in with different issues at different places. Even if we've all been ghosted, we're coming in at a different place. So you can start chipping away at any of these areas and it's going to help to start building that self-esteem. And then even after that, you can start identifying what's the mindset piece. What am I telling myself about myself and try to start bringing that subconscious stuff conscious. And I would recommend therapy ultimately end goal because we can see more progress faster. But at the end of the day, you're your own best self healer. You're the expert of you. You're the only one in your head. And you're the really, truly the only one that knows how to heal yourself and what you need. So, you know, you're the ticket. You have all the answers. It's just sometimes difficult. Even when we gain insight, it's sometimes difficult to change the patterns of behavior, even when we're well aware what we're doing. And we're like, don't do that again. Like, ah, I see what I'm doing. And I see my patterns. And we want to tell ourselves to stop, but yet six months down the road, here we are doing it again, because it takes some in-depth work and self-exploration and rewiring of the brain to get those patterns to change. Not impossible to, to do it on our own. We can just speed that process up when we have someone guiding us and helping us and asking the right questions. But there is there is so much, as I just listed, so much that we can start doing on our own outside of therapy and working on ourselves every single day. And I really encourage people to take baby steps, one little tiny step at a time, because it is really, really hard to go from who we are and how we feel about ourselves to a 180, a totally different person and and different feelings about ourselves the next day. It won't stick, right? But if we make little tiny baby steps, today, I'm going to eat better. Today, I'm going to take a shower. (laughs) You know, today I'm going to get out of bed, whatever it may be, those tiny baby steps. And we celebrate those big wins. We can be a lot further than where we are now, six months down the road, as opposed to feeling like, oh, I've got to change everything about myself. And then we're overwhelmed and we do nothing for six months. So start with the tiniest little things where you can take action. I love it. I believe that everything's interconnected. So let's say we were ghosted and then we have to go to work. I think that 
the ghosting can affect our work performance. I think that being ghosted affects every single area of our life because our brains aren't thinking in silos, right? So I think that it has a really big impact on us as a whole. So I love how you're saying that we can take baby steps in different areas of our lives and that's going to help us overall if we just do it one day at a time and we're mindful of what we're thinking and what we're telling ourselves about ourselves. Yes. Bringing mindful is like a a perfect word. You can use that mindfulness for anything and everything that you're doing, you know, your thoughts, your actions, all of the above become more mindful of who you are and why, and really just digging in, like you said, and bringing those subconscious thoughts to the conscious and like really paying attention to what you're saying to yourself on a daily basis. And then we want to start shifting those thoughts into more positive ones slowly, but surely. Slowly, right. Yeah. I love your advice. My next question is about dating. So often after being ghosted in a romantic relationship, people are hesitant to reopen their hearts to love. There is this lingering fear that they'll be given the silent treatment again. And if somebody is afraid to date, what can they do to get back out there in a confident way? Yeah, really good questions. Again, that's going to be very, very broad, but and and different for everybody. At the end of the day, it's going to come down to how we're choosing to look at a situation. But I do not want to minimize the fact that when we give ourselves to somebody and we're vulnerable and we give our heart and we like attached and this person means so much to us and they ghost us to some people, that's going to be pretty darn traumatic. That's going to mean some PTSD symptoms, right? So we're going to have a lot of fear and anxiety and and different symptoms popping up around dating again. And, And that's not easy at all. And so we do have to work on shifting our thoughts about ourselves and the situation. But ultimately, in order to be able to get back out there and the way that feels the safest means that we have to know ourselves the best and trust ourselves first and foremost, right? So if I know who am I and and what are my patterns and what are my issues and what's my worth and what's my value and what am I looking for, then I'm going to have more trust in myself and taking that next step. And there's also separating the internalizing piece. If I'm ghosted and I'm stuck on thinking, what's wrong with me? Or this was my fault? Or what did I do? Or I'm not good enough. We want to shift that lens to, you know what, if somebody ghosts somebody, that has nothing to do with the person that was ghosted and everything to do with the person that did the ghosting, right? So if somebody ghosts somebody, that tells me exactly where they're at and their emotional ability, their emotional intelligence and their capability, their capacity for tolerating uncomfortable feelings, you know, whether their own or the other person's. As somebody that goes, somebody isn't able to step into those feelings and sit in them. And whether it's like I said, theirs or the uh, the person they're ghosting and process through them and work through them. And at the end of the day, they take the easy way out, which is completely unfair, but it speaks volumes about them and where they're at, as opposed to the person that they ghosted. And so we want to start understanding and believing that so that we can say, you know what, 
someone else may ghost me too, but I know my worth and I know that that's about them and not about me. Those are powerful words of wisdom. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's on some end, it sounds like such a simple idea, but it's not that hard to grasp when we're in it and we make it about us and we feel so hurt and broken and lost and confused. It takes some time to process through that, to sit in that and to find ourselves again and say, nope, I'm worth it. And I'm going to, I'm going to make good and healthy choices for me. And I'm going to do that on my terms and my pace and having some fear, being a little bit cautious. There's, there's nothing wrong with that because we do want to be cautious about who we're linking ourselves up with, right? If we're going to spend a lot of time or connect with somebody intimately, emotionally, we do want to have some caution in that. And we do want to be picky and choosy. You know, you are your company, right? Those people that are in our lives, they they rub off on us in so many ways. And we want to make sure that we're picking good and healthy people. So having some fear about that, that's all right, because you're saying it's a big choice and it's a big decision and it matters to me and I want to make a good one. Yeah, that's really helpful to hear. What would you say if somebody's thinking, I could never love again? What would you say to that person? I'd say you got to love yourself first, right? You know, because that does feel big and scary and we don't want to get hurt. And and there's so much, you know, when I say we, the, a little fear is okay, that that would be on the other side. That's That's a lot of fear, right? And although valid and understandable, the steps to loving again mean loving yourself. I mean, that's the universal language right there, right? It's love. That's what we can all understand. But we can't be open to love. We can't give the best kind of love. We can't have the healthiest, most genuine love if we don't truly love ourselves first. And that is a journey. It's a journey on coming back to yourself. It means unlearning a lot of things that we've learned unlearning things that, you know, society has taught us, that our education system has taught us, that friends and family and social media have taught us, and going back to trusting ourselves and our intuition. And like I said, we're our own best experts and self-healers on ourselves. So at the end of the day, loving yourself means coming back to your, your authentic self and remembering and finding that person again so that you can build and create and become more and more the person that you want to be. And when you love yourself, it just becomes more natural and easier to give and receive love from others when we have a real understanding of what love means, because we don't necessarily have the best understanding of how to give and receive love when we haven't learned to do that with ourselves first. That's such great advice. Carrie, after a friend in high school ghosted me, I had a false belief that I choose people who abandon me. I was hesitant to make friends because I thought they would leave me after a while. How can you rebuild trust in yourself after being ghosted, especially if you believe your picker is broken? Yeah. And I think that some of that is the getting out and doing and forgiving yourself as well. You say that and it, it instantly brought me back to a friend that had a, a best friend that had ghosted me overnight in middle school as well. That, I mean, I knew it hurt then, but I don't think I realized till somewhere in my 30s that like how much that put a blueprint on friendships and relationships and that like, 
on some level, I was really still hanging on to that. And I think some of that is a lot of forgiving yourself that whatever situation I was in or however much I beat myself up over that situation or didn't trust myself or behaved in that situation or, or whatever, you know, there's so many details and, and that would be around that. Forgive yourself. Know that we all make mistakes, whether it's yourself or that person, right? We, we all make mistakes and try to not associate meaning behind it because we write a story about why that friend ghosted us and their reasons, unless we got the reasons from them, but generally that doesn't happen in ghosting, right? So maybe, maybe years later, maybe. So we fill in the gaps of the unknown. We fill in the gaps of, we write this narrative and this story of of why it happened. And so if we're going to write a story, try really hard to rewrite it that like giving yourself that I'm a good person, or, you know, I did the best I could, or I forgive myself, or I forgive that person, or whatever it may be where you're, you're hanging up on some things and write a healthier story. And yeah, and then again, getting out there and living life, because if we don't get out there and make new friendships, or date again, or just try trial and error and life and accept that, Sometimes we're going to air quote fail on air quote, but you know, whatever that looks like in friendships or relationships, and then that's okay because that's a learning process, then and give ourselves a little grace, get go easier on ourselves that like, we're not going to be everybody's cup of tea and that's okay. Right. So there's so many layers here as to like getting out there again, but it it is really understanding that it's going to come down to how we view it and how we view life, and how we view relationships. And we've got to choose a healthy viewpoint that serves us instead of attaching negative thoughts about ourselves or negative thoughts about humans in general, and all of those things. We've got to choose how to fill in the unknowns and the gaps in the information that we have. Those are great suggestions. When I coach people, we write our ghost story the way we feel it is, we cross it out and then write it in kind of a more neutral way with just the facts. And most times we just don't really know what happened, but we do know that the ghost has a fundamental issue with communication. And it's not our fault that the person didn't say goodbye to us. So we reframe the whole entire story. I think that's such a critical thing. So thank you for bringing that up. Yes. And just knowing how the brain works, that if we don't choose to reframe it, it will forever hold on to what we attached in that painful moment. And generally, when we attach, you know, meaning in that painful moment, it's internalizing not great things about ourselves. And then we walk around for the rest of our lives until we choose to heal and grow thinking terrible things about ourselves. Subconsciously, a lot of times, we're not even consciously aware that we're telling ourselves these awful things about ourselves, like I deserved it or what's wrong with me, right? So reframing it and making that choice is just, it's huge. Mm -hmm. Moving on to the next question. I would also love to hear your thoughts on how people who have been ghosted can begin to rebuild their trust in other people. Yeah. I think that you, you could get so many different answers with this question from so many different people. Brene Brown has a really fascinating take on trust in her research. You know, trust isn't in necessarily all those obvious things that we think are like trust, you know, like 
I tell you something and I can count on you or you'll keep a secret or, you know, that they're obviously based around trust. Trust is often built in all these tiny little daily things. Like they ask how my day is, or they remember that I like mint ice cream, or they ask how I'm feeling, or they ask how my family is, or they check in on me, or they show up to events that, and they ask me to hang out or whatever. It's all the tiny little things. And so some of that is learning what does feel trustworthy and secure and comfortable to me? What does trust mean? And what does that look like in a relationship for me? And what does good, healthy communication and reliability and security look like for me in relationships? And when we learn that, we can start evaluating and seeing if the people in our lives that we're getting to know or choosing to spend time with are showing up for us in those ways. Do they do those little things regularly? Do I feel safe and secure in this relationship? Can I be my authentic self? And these are things that we have to really dig in and be honest with ourselves because passion, chemistry, you know, emotions, we we might want somebody to be somebody in our lives. It doesn't mean that they're good and healthy for us just because we want them to be. So really being honest with ourselves of, how do I feel around this person intuitively in my body, physically? Like, does this, do I feel safe physically and, and comfortable around them? And just really getting more in tune with yourself. We have to know what trust looks like in order to start trusting again. And then again, we can full circle back to do I trust myself? Do I trust myself to take care of myself? Because if I don't even trust myself to take care of myself, how am I going to trust other people to be good to me as well, right? Again, there's so many, I know I can go so many different ways and in, in roundabout because there's so many layers with this, but long and short of it, all getting to know yourself and mind and body and getting those integrated and connected because we can oftentimes physically feel our emotions before we identify the emotions, they might show up in our body, you know, like queasy stomach or tense shoulders, or we stiffen up, we tighten up, we want to learn where we feel our emotions in our body so that we can get better at identifying our thoughts and feelings faster. And then realizing, okay, what's that mean? And what do I want to do with it? And choosing then how to respond instead of react, just getting in tune with yourself, mind and body and connecting those. I'd like to give an example of anger. If you're feeling angry before you realize you're angry, you might have a flushed face or sweaty hands, or you might feel really tense. Are there, is that kind of what you're talking about when it comes to the feeling thing? Yes. So one of my big ones was, I will still is, I will sometimes experience anxiety and it's always my right jaw. I don't know what, I don't know what's up with that, but it's always the right side of my jaw and it'll get really tense and tight, you know, whether I'm clenching or I'm grinding my teeth or, or whatever. But a lot of times I will feel that physical feeling before I realize I'm anxious because the thing is our subconscious thoughts, they're what drive us. They're what push our actions and our behaviors. That's our default mode. That's what we're set on. And so subconsciously things can be, I can be telling myself all sorts of things and I'm getting stressed and I'm getting anxious, but I'm not consciously aware of it yet, but my body knows. And so my jaw is getting tight. And so I've learned 
with practice and getting to know, you know, integrate that mind and body and just age and time too. like, okay, my jaw is tight, I need to pause and I need to sit with myself and feel that feeling and listen and dig in and say, okay, what am I worried about? What am I stressed about that I'm not acknowledging and that I'm shoving down and I'm not giving time to? Because if I allow it to come up and I allow to sit with that feeling, I'm going to be able to work with it and push through it. If I just keep shoving it down, that jaw is going to get tighter and more tense and it's just going to become, it's going to snowball. It's going to be a bigger problem. So yeah, absolutely. There's indicators with our physical body a lot of times before we even recognize, oh, this is what I'm thinking and feeling. That's such a great thing to know about and for listeners to look out for and start recognizing the patterns within your own bodies. Thank you. Lastly, do you have any other suggestions on how to cope after being ghosted in general? Take care of yourself and be kind to yourself because we go down the worst path when we beat ourselves up and write that really negative narrative. And that can just spiral into terrible days and weeks and months. And so the two, the two biggest things that I want people to know is take care of yourself, be kind to yourself, and don't make it about you. Put the responsibility where it lies, which is the ghoster. Do not take responsibility for somebody's inability to communicate and be considerate and kind. Do not own their problems you know, be kind to yourself. It's just so good. That is so well said. Carrie, how can our listeners connect with you? Sure. So online, I'm at carrieleaf.com and Carrie is C-A-R-R-I-E and Leaf is L-E-A-F. And then Instagram is at Carrie Leaf Coaching. And on my website, anybody can reach out if they're looking for services. Email is going to be the best way because I'm often back-to-back sessions with clients. And so getting an email, I can respond to the fastest. But if anyone is looking for some coaching services, I'm available there. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be here and for sharing your knowledge. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great. I appreciate it. And listeners, be sure to remember when you are ghosted, you have more time to connect with yourself and people who have stellar communication skills. You deserve the best. Are you ready to move on, feel happier, and find peace after being ghosted? Whether the ghost was a romantic partner, family member, or friend, the confusion, pain, heartache, and rejection can take a severe emotional toll. Get the healing you need with private coaching from me, Greta. It's not therapy. It's completely different. Visit my website, copingwithghosting.com, for more information.